0: This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast.
1: Hey, guys, this is Chloe, and welcome back to today's episode of the Made For This podcast. Today's interview is one that I am particularly excited about because I have followed along with Katie Davis Major's journey, to southern uganda for probably 15 years now and if you've read any of jenny's books you may know a little bit of katie's story already katie founded an organization in southern uganda called amazama amazama is an incredible ministry in uganda that we would love for you guys to learn more about you can go to amazima.org. that's a-m-a-z-i-m-a.org and you can also find katie's books Her first one is called Kisses from Katie, and her second is called Daring to Hope. Both of those are on Amazon, and you don't want to miss them. They are so good. So here we go. Get ready to hear more from Katie and Jenny.
0: So this is really exciting for me because I believe this person, Though she would not (laughs) make a big deal about it, or, and she probably is going to laugh at me for saying it, has impacted my life almost more than any other person. And what I mean by that is just her faith and obedience and watching that faith and obedience over time. A lot of you know her, but some of you may not. Her name is Katie Majors. And you guys, let me tell you exactly how this went down, because if you haven't heard the story, it's pretty incredible. So she's writing a blog from Uganda. She has brought in several girls into her home and she's young I mean were you in your 20s young 20s right Katie early the 20s, 2021. 20, yep. And so I'm probably, you know, a decade older than her. And I'm just watching her faith and her reading the Bible and just saying, you know what, I'm going to live this out. And it wrecked me that much. And I want to say that because I think sometimes we think it's going to be to change people's lives, we've got to say something really important or do something big. And the truth was, while it was unique, it was just you obeying God, you weren't sitting there thinking, I'm going to catalyze a generation to love God more, but you did. And there are so many of us that followed the, back in the blogging days, followed your blog, and really truly wanted to obey God in a deeper way. And it was that simple for me. It wasn't that I had to do exactly what you were doing, but I knew I had to do whatever it was God wanted me to do. And and those prayers were the beginning of just reading Katie's blog, my husband and I, and beginning to say, God, we want to do anything you ask us to do. We don't want to play it safe. We want to just do whatever you call us to do. Those prayers begin a lot of storylines for us that, that I don't believe you know, would have happened without that catalyst. So Katie, it's an honor to have you here today. And you're calling me from Uganda right now. We're definitely not in the same studio. We're not even in the same country. Talk just a little bit about your context for those people that don't know your story, just you and Benji's life there in Uganda.
2: Yeah. So I am actually, I just realized this as I said it out loud today, going on my 13th year in Uganda, which is crazy. I'm like rapidly approaching A point in life where I've lived here as long as I've lived anywhere. But like you said a little bit, I moved here when I was 18 and just really because I felt that the Lord had my heart here and that I wanted to be here. And I thought I was only going to stay for a year, but just really fell in love with the people that I found around me and took in my first few little girls and stayed. And I have been here ever since just doing my best like you said, just to obey God and do the next thing that he puts in front of me. And he's put a lot of different things in front of me, Benji and I. Benji's my husband. We have 15 kids, so 13 girls and two little boys right at the end. We are engaged in lots of different ministry here. Benji pastors a church out of our home, and I'm part of a ministry team that runs a Christian school and does sponsorship. But all of it really has just grown out of a desire to do the next thing. And, you know, I do laugh a little bit when you say, oh, you changed my life and oh, this and that. But I I mean, I also I look back at that 18 year old and think, one, wow, you were so young and so naive. But also there's there's something really good about a childlike faith that takes God at his word and says, "Okay, I'm just God says it and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Even as I've gotten older, there's a tendency to grow away from that. he's been faithful to continue to lead
0: us. So let's talk about, I really did give you a topic this week. We're talking about sin and we're talking about how to understand, you're welcome, how to understand that as a kid, but also as an adult. And what you just said is so true. That childlike faith, Katie, that was contagious to my husband and I in our thirties with three kids. So I really believe we all need the answers to these things and we all need to view God as he said, you know, that childlike faith is precious in his sight. So how do we, kind of come back to that this and we're talking about the basics and of course sin is a huge part of the story of God and I don't think any story on earth means much if there's not you know something difficult in it right that 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 part that we got it all wrong was the stage for God to show his great love for us so let's start with your kids and just your story with Jesus and how did you find that love where you were so moved by it that you were going to surrender your life in the way you did
2: you know, it's really so clear to me, like, even the older and older I get, that God just finds us and He just grabs a hold of us wherever yes. we are. Yes. Because I wasn't doing anything different than like all my high school peers. You know, there was not anything on the surface that was wildly special about me that God, I really feel, chose me for something different. And because I know my own sin, I mean, I look at myself every day and I see my own sin and that, you know, I just, I think it's so abundantly clear that God, he is after us. He seeks after us in all our brokenness. And yeah, I don't feel like it was a choice of my own, but just his strength that he can Continue to put in me the desire to follow after Him, and by His grace, He just has continued to do that. But it is abundantly clear, even when we look at our children. I've, you know, I had parented toddlers and then grown into parenting teenagers, and then had toddlers all over again, which is kind of a unique dynamic in parenting—to have some kids going off to college and some kids that you're still changing their diapers. But In in re-entering a season, it's kind of like sin is so apparent and on the surface. Like grown-up people, we hide our sin and we like cover it up and we make you think that we don't really have any sin. But Noah, he's just like, well, I wanted to hit my brother. Like that's just. (laughs) It felt good. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to do that. I'm mad at him. And so it's like, wow. You know, you're just looking at your kid like, yeah, that is in me. But I am just a lot better at kind of hiding it. <laughs> so, anyway, it's just been well re eye opening to my own sin all over again.
0: I was I was reading Isaiah this week, the verse that says, "And everyone turned to the his own way," and that that was what sin was—that it was turning our own way. And I was like, "Golly, that does remind me of parenting toddlers because everything was about their own way. You know, that they would they would get their own way." And I think again, it's the desire of our hearts, it's the desire of our flesh, is to to have our own way. And I would say watching you live, there was a lot of laying that down of saying, okay, I'm not going to choose my own way. I'm going to choose something different and talk about that war a little bit. And even just what that war looked like on the other side of the planet when you weren't married and you didn't have a lot of comforts and you were choosing not your own way, but God's way for you. And what that, you know, what was the reality of that?
2: honestly, I think for me, it's just been a good thing that I'm as stubborn as I am. You know, I think God really can take our sin and take our faults and flaws and use them, even the mess up things for his glory. And so for me, I think a a part of the wrestling was just that I I was stubborn. I was not going to leave here even on the days that (laughs) I wanted to. I was not going to rush back to comfort. Uh, Not so much because of this like great desire to do it right or well, but more just of this great desire to not have anybody say like, mm-hmm, I told you so, <laughs> <laughs> but it grew, you know, beyond that was probably mostly in the first year of, of getting here and finding, you know, it's a completely different culture. It's so different. I was so young. It was, there were so mm. many parts of it that were awesome. But there were so many parts of it that were really uncomfortable. And I think my stubbornness kind of won out. And I started to just really love not only the life that God had designed for me, but love a place of dependence on him and a place of surrender. And I recognized that a lot of times the more uncomfortable I was or the harder things were around me, the more I felt really close to him and the more I found myself really pressing into him. And yeah, there were some, there were some hard, hard days. Certainly there were uh, a lot of days kind of in the middle years where I felt like, okay, this is it. Like I am going to lay down my desire to ever get married. That is not something that God is going to do for me here. Nobody marries someone with this many kids. And so there was, you know, there was a wrestle with it and a kind of saying, okay, God, why, like, why would you call me to this thing that looks so different than what Mm. I thought? But yeah, it was it was just that place of closeness to him in the middle of difficult choices that that drew me to more. And I, I think that you know once you've kind of tasted that, I think that enables you to continue to choose obedience even when it is more inconvenient, or even when our own way does feel more appealing. When, once you have tasted of the goodness of God you know on his path, you don't want anything else.
0: right. Right. And I think that that's so helpful, Katie, because I think that's what when I look back at the season where your, your faith was was pressing into mine and causing me to have greater faith. I think that's what it was, was there was a delight over what you were doing. There was a, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. And I think that's how we've got to view this with sin, that the enemy wants to shut us down and that sin was ultimately catalyzed by a lie from the enemy where he's he's basically saying, don't you want to be like God and, and have and know everything that he, he has and knows. And I think that's the lie that he gives us still is, don't you want this? Won't this make you happier? Isn't this going to be more satisfying than God? And I think that's the ultimate lie right is that we want other things more than we want god and when we want god more you know and that's what i saw for you as you were living a life that i didn't envy and yet i did and what made me envy it was how you were running with jesus it was like oh yeah we, the way you talked about him i just could tell like you were walking with god in a way that i didn't need god and it made me, it really did, it, it set in me, I want to live a life that needs God. I don't want to live a life so safe and comfortable where I get my own way and I never, I don't daily need God. And so I think that other way, what what I want you guys to hear and what I want you to really, you know, desire to give your kids is not that, you know, yes, sin is bad. Sin offends God. There's a, there's a justice part of this, of just the wrath of God coming <laughs> against sin. But he did pay the price for that sin. So then what? You know, and Galatians says, do we just keep on sinning? Do we just keep going down this road? Of course not. You know, that that, that would be ridiculous. Because why? Because we get God and there's a better way. Because we get God and he's got plans for us we don't want to miss. Because we get God and he has opportunities for us that when we get to heaven, we would look back and think we would be crazy if we miss those. And I remember even with adoption, Katie, we adopted one kid. But in that process, I remember being a little bit fearful, of course, of just how is this going to change our family? And I kept picturing, like, I don't want to get to heaven and, like, Meet an African man and be like I was supposed to be, and I—I mean, I know that's crazy, and I know God doesn't necessarily work that way, and I'm—I'm not going to judge the theology of that, but I think the idea of it is true that we can miss out on plans and purposes that God has for us if we are choosing our own way and choosing sin, and I think that's the storyline. I think your life tells, and that we want to tell on this episode is just there's a better way. Like sin is going to lead to to death, and and talk a little bit just about even as ongoing as a believer that has walked with Jesus for a long time, and you've seen the goodness of God, temptation now, like, what does that look like to sin now, even, you know, so many years into following him?
2: That's such a good question, because I think the enemy is so crafty, just Mm. like so smart. And he just knows, he knows how to tempt us. He doesn't want us walking down that road with God. He doesn't want us to have that closeness. Because I do really think like, the more we know God, the more we are compelled to know God. I I feel that in my own life. I know it's not of me to want more of him. Like I know it's because I've been with him, but the enemy just, he's sneaky,
0: Hmm. you know?
2: And I, I think you can get kind of in a place where I probably am now, where you're however many years into kind of walking the Christian road and, you know, leading a good Christian life or being a pastor's wife or a missionary or whatever kind of Christianese word you could call me. And the temptations maybe aren't quite so big or aren't quite so glaring. They're sneaky, you know, Mm -hmm. but just anything. I was just having a conversation with a good friend of mine today. And we were just talking about, you know, anything that robs us of time with God. And I mean, let's be serious. Mine is my smartphone and probably That is true for, you know, more than half the people listening to this. Just like, why, why do I want to endlessly scroll? Why do I want to compare? Why mm. do we, I want to let this greed and comparison and measuring, you know, all, all these things that can kind of sneak in when we're in this social media space. And again, not that, not that it itself is sinful or bad, but just that the enemy wants to use whatever thing it is in your path that can distract you. That's what he wants to use. You know, he wants Mm -hmm. to say, no, God alone doesn't satisfy. You need God and a little bit of, you know, whatever it is that the world has to offer today. You know, the fight against temptation just looks like constantly examining my life and constantly even examining our lives as a family and just asking, okay, what is it that is taking our gaze away from the Lord? And what is it that is taking first priority instead of him? And, it can be good things. It can be like cleaning the house so that it's not a disaster when people come over for church on Sunday. You know, and in my head it's like, well, that's good. You know, you host church. Awesome. But anything that is setting the stage for me to turn my gaze away from God, and take my time away from him is ultimately leading down the road to sin. Mm.
0: And I wanted specifically, I mean, we could have gotten somebody on here that, you know, murdered somebody and like take it to the nth degree of sin. And it's like, no, we got a missionary. Because here's the thing is I want you all to see that there's no arrival point. I mean, Katie, you are one of my heroes in the faith. And yet I'm I'm putting you on the phone and saying, tell me your your dark sins because I know you have them. Because this is just how it is. Like the Christian walk is not meant to be lived perfectly. It's meant to be lived in relationship with God. And what separates us from relationship with God, it's our sin. So if we don't confess it, if we don't those of us that have been walking with Jesus a long time are in ministry, whatever it is that you think, okay, they don't struggle like I struggle. The temptations might be different, but the lies are the same and the sin is the same by God's sight. So I think what we've got to realize is this enemy is after all of us. And in fact, the more you follow God, the more you surrender your life to Jesus, I think the the war actually heats up. I have struggled with deeper, darker issues since I have surrendered my life in a deeper way than I did before. And I, I don't think that's by accident. I think that's the enemy. How, what does it look like to fight for your kids? I want to talk about that for a minute. You have a bunch of kids, and I'm sure you don't need to disclose any of their things. But just what in general has it looked like to, to fight for them and to help them see their own sin and to help them know what it means to fight that sin?
2: You know, I think the, the longer I parent, the more I realize how much prayer is just like my weapon. Um, yeah parenting is so hard because of course you see your kids sin you're with them all the time. I mean, especially now in the last few months, we are with each other all the time. Yeah. Um, You see all their shortcomings. And I think um, maybe just even my personality is just like quick to call that out, you know, and say, Oh, stop doing that. Oh, you didn't do that. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Oh, Stop doing that. And I think I've just slowly learned to call out the good That I see in them. And there are times, you know, to pull a child aside and to address sin and hopefully to do it in a way that is gentle and in a way that um, can say like, hey, I also have struggles, but really just more and more. And especially in the last two years, we've had several of our girls go off to college and college parenting.
0: Oh, It's like mercy. my Tell favorite me
2: type of parenting, because you still love them just as much and you still want to protect them just as much, but they are out there in the world. And I mean, for me, there's like this wild time difference and I can't get, even get in touch with them at the right time of day. And you want to just put your arms around them, but they're far away. It's just reminded me, you know, so, so much that our kids, they are God's first and he loves them and he desires their hearts and i have got to believe that the same way that i know he was chasing after me mm-hmm. when i was 15 16 17 18 like he is chasing after our kids and we just get to pray you know we just get to pray for his mercy over their lives and pray that he would show them their sin because i think i think i've just seen it time and time again that we can't correct the heart you know we can model and we can be an example and we can speak to our kids but at the end of the day like god is going to change a heart mm. we're not going to do that and and we have such a powerful tool in just sitting with him and praying for them and praying that he would have their hearts and i think i mean i think another big one that is hard for me but I, that i try really hard to model for my kids is just to let them know when i mess up You know, whether it's specifically to them and I need to sit and apologize, or whether it's something I've done in front of the whole family and then I have to sit at dinner and apologize, as embarrassing as it sometimes is, you know, or even if it's something that I've done in my own private life, like, oh, today, you know, I saw this person and I thought this nasty thought about them, or, oh, man, I really misjudged her. And I was not very kind because I thought this and this and this. And now I realize, wow, she's great. Or, you know, whatever little thing it is, especially in having teenage daughters to be able to say, here is my ugly sin. And I'm going to lay it all out here in front of you and tell you like how I go to God with it and how I say, I'm sorry. I think there's something really, really powerful for our kids in knowing like, yeah, mom and dad, they mess up, but then they go back to Jesus and they say that they're sorry. And they try again. I think if anything, they can see like, okay, our our parents can continually go back to this grace. So, so can we.
0: I cannot tell you how many people since I've been podcasting have said this about parenting. Exactly what you're saying right now. And I don't think I knew it when my kids were young or I would have viewed it differently. And it's that our mistakes are the best breeding ground for our kids to learn. And in some version of that has just over and over again been said. And I'm just thinking of how much pressure I felt when I was younger. And I hope this relieves so much pressure for you guys that are listening to hear from every parent that has older kids. The best parenting came from our mistakes. And the best parenting came from confession. And the best parenting came from I'm sorry and apologies. And I think that just helps us. I don't know. what What is that that, that we think we can do this perfectly? Or we think that their welfare and who they're going to become completely depends on our decision making and our leadership. It's a lot. People are caring a lot.
2: It is. And I have had to learn that one again and again and again and again. I have had to say, I have had to have God say to me, like, you are not ultimately in control of the outcome here. Like, I still need you to do your best and I still need you to be obedient to me in your parenting and in pointing your kids to Jesus. But at the end of the day, like, you are not ultimately in control here. And I think that I know that about so many other areas of my life and it's okay with me. But there is mm. something about a mama's heart or a daddy's heart and, and, and our kids, you know, that we really think like. I am in control here and it and it is God and it is His grace and mercy that is going to lead them to the cross just like it did us. And so hopefully that does take some pressure off. You know, you don't do it perfectly because nobody does and nobody's ever going to. But even if we did do it perfectly, we might put in our kids some, you know, some weird belief that they have to be perfect in order to get yeah. it's good for them to see that they don't.
0: Talk about what it's been like raising kids in a different culture and how, you know, you were raised in America and now you've raised several kids in a different culture. So talk about how that has shaped your view of sin and Jesus and faith. And how was it different over there?
2: Oh, goodness. That's kind of a hard one because I have only ever parented here. (laughs) Right. Um, In the culture that we're living in, children are taught from a very early age uh, that sin is very shameful and that you just you hide it. Mm -hmm. You know, I I remember even when my girls were so little, they would break a dish or break a cup accidentally, you know, and just cry and cry and cry and cry because they would be so afraid that they were going to get in so much trouble. And so discipline is a really important thing in the home and in the culture where we're living. And so I think it's been Challenging, and I'm sure it would be challenging for any parent, even um, in any country. But it's been challenging to kind of walk them through what it looks like to sin and be sorry, but also Mm -hmm. receive grace and forgiveness. Oftentimes, forgiveness is equated with not receiving any punishment. I remember when the girls were so little and they'd say, Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, and what they meant is. Can I not go in timeout? Or can I not lose my privilege of watching a movie with the family later? They didn't really understand forgiveness and what it meant. And so I would, you know, repeatedly say, I do forgive you. And you're going to sit here and time out to help you learn not to do this again. Or I do forgive you and you're not going to be able to watch the movie with the family tonight. So next time let's try to do it differently. Something that we did a lot when our girls were little and even now that we do with some of our younger guys is to let them try again. And I think that is just a good model. I mean, it's like a principle from psychology also, but it is also really a good model for what God does with us, you know, to say, okay, you can't hit your sister. Do you want to try again? Or, okay, no, when mommy calls you, you can't say, no, I'm not going to come. Do you want to try again to say what, what you can say? That's and good. I feel like it, always, it almost always turns into a game with a little guy, right? Like they're kind of like, hmm, okay. And then they try again and do it right. And you kind of heap on the praise like, yes, that's how you do it. Right. Good job. I actually did that to Noah. A couple of days ago, he, I was trying to get him to come out of the car. He was like, no, I won't come out of the car. And I said, okay, Noah, let's try again. So he said, yes, mama, I'm coming. And oh. then he wanted to do it like 10 more times. So then oh he still gosh, wasn't getting out of the car because we were still practicing. <laughs> but it was, it was really sweet. And I think yeah. that's something that sticks in their little brain, but also like how gracious. I mean, I don't know if it's this way for everybody, but for me, my sins and my temptations, they seem to be kind of always... The same thing over and over and over again in different ways. You know, like there are certain things that I'm not super tempted to do, but there are other things that it feels like I am learning the same lesson over and over again. I mean, surrendering my children being one of them, and gracious God just says, okay, let's try that again. Try it again. <laughs> um, so so good. that one's been really helpful for me
0: too. When you come back to the US, what do you wish we understood better? Like what, what do you experience there that, that we might miss just because of comforts because of full busy lives? Like what, what do you think we miss about God or about life?
2: Yeah. I mean, I honestly, over the last several years, haven't spent hardly any time in the States, but we did get there as a family over this last Christmas, which was super fun and also so overwhelming. (laughs) I, I feel like in the U.S., or at least in the parts of it I experience when I'm visiting, people are just moving fast and they are distracted. There is just so much technology in our faces all the time and everything, instant gratification that I think we as a culture have just kind of forgotten how to wait on anything. We have forgotten how to need to figure things out because we have the internet at our fingertips all the time. And I think it has just made us really fast. I think our brains are just moving really, really fast. And I don't exclude myself from that because we do live at a much slower pace of life. In Uganda, but we also have access to a lot of the same technology. And I think slowly people are forgetting how to listen
1: Mm.
2: and forgetting how to have like real deep, meaningful face-to-face connection and conversation and listening to people. And I think it does impact our kids and the way that we teach them about God and the way that we teach them about sin and the way that we teach them about forgiveness, because we are in a hurry and we are moving on to the next thing. And I know for me, when I'm in a hurry, I don't want to take the time to let them try again the thing they did wrong. I just want to send them to their room or like, I want it to be easy and quick and done. And parenting is not ever easy and quick and done and neither is sharing the gospel. And so when we're wanting to share the gospel with our children, you know, it just, it requires time and it requires input and it requires us to put away our screens and slow down our pace a little bit. And so, I mean, that's a constant struggle for me. That's something that I'm always trying to turn off or put away. But I think when we were, we were in the States for most of December and January, our whole family, I think I came back home here in Uganda and just kind of (sighs) like breathed this sigh of relief because it felt like life was just a little bit slower and a little bit simpler and people had a little bit more time to stop you on the street and ask how you were doing just to sit. Ugandans are really amazing at just sitting with you. If you are mm-hmm. really happy and you're going to have a celebration, they will come over and they will just stay. And if you are really sad and you're having a really hard time and a really bad thing happened to you, they will come over and they will just Stay. Like there's just this real ministry of presence and community. And I think a lot of developed cultures are just losing that because of the fast pace of life and because of how overcrowded our lives and our brains and our days get.
0: Well, since Christmas, Katie (laughs) Since Christmas, we've gotten a little taste of Uganda here. (laughs) Things have slowed down with Corona. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it would feel a little different to you today. and But I love that answer because I, I think all of us in the coming weeks and months are our world's, you know, and who knows what's ahead, but in some ways it's it's waking up. And I think we've got to make decisions about that. So that's a really powerful answer. And I hope and believe that this season, what it's done to Americans and those of us in the West is just reminded us that being busy does not make life more meaningful in fact, a lot of the most meaningful parts happen in the slow and happen in the still. So, yeah, you are, you are nailing it. I really do. I, I hope that there's a different way to live coming <laughs> for over here because I, I agree with you. It, it hasn't been life giving and people are more isolated and mental illness is on the rise. And, and it's just, it's not, it hasn't been working for people. I want you to speak to the child listening right now. Their parents are driving. And now the, I want you to say, hey, I'm going to turn this up. And I want you to listen in the back seat. And I want you to tell them about Jesus. I want you to tell them why you love him so much.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yes. I Jesus, he just loves you. He loves you so, so much. And wherever you are and whatever is hard and whatever you're happy about or whatever you're scared about or whatever you're sad about. Jesus knows those things and he sees those things and he wants to carry those things with you. I love Jesus because I know that he loved me. And so I would just pray for you that you would know how much Jesus loves you and that he is seeking after you and that he knows you by name and he is calling out your name. He just wants you to find life abundantly in him. You want to pray for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Father God, we just thank you so much because you are so, so good to us. Father, and even as we talk about sin, God, it's ugly to look at our own sin, to look at the ways that we don't want to obey you. We don't want to obey our parents. We don't always want to be nice to the people we're supposed to be nice to, Father, and that's hard. But I just thank you that you love us so, so much anyway, and you know You know the yucky stuff that's in our heart, Father, and you sent your son, Jesus, to die for that sin, God, so that we could live forever with you. And Father, you tell us that we can try again. When we mess up, we get to say we're sorry and we get to try again. And when we mess up again, we get to say we're sorry and try again all over again, Father. And that is because of Jesus and his great great love for us father and so i pray for all the parents listening lord that you would just equip them and strengthen them to love their children strengthen them and equip them to surrender them to you for children who are listening father i just pray that they would not be ashamed of their sin that they would not want to hide their sin in the dark lord but that they would bring it to you lord and they would allow your light to just penetrate their hearts and to change them lord and that they would live a life that is for you and that is pleasing to you. Father, we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hey, did you know that Jenny's new five-book children's series called The Story of God is officially out for sale? The story of God tells the big picture story of why God made the earth, what is sin, why do we need a rescuer in Jesus, what God has given us in the church, and then what is coming for us in heaven. And it is just these incredible tools that are simple, beautiful illustrations that help you sit and read with your child and understand the basics of our faith. And at the end of each book, there is a parent experience guide that you can sit with your kid. And it gives you like step-by-step things to ask them or point out or read together or do like little activities. And Jenny's heart with this experience guide was to really equip you as a parent or as a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle to be able to have these big, deep conversations with your kids and for it not to feel intimidating. So you can go to Theology.com. That's T-H-E-O-L-A-B-Y.com. And you can order the story of God set today and you'll get each of the five books in the series over the course of the year. So come on, join us. There are some amazing freebies like a parenting webinar with Dr. Paul Tripp, Max Lucato, Ruth Chow Simons, Trillian Newbell, Jeff and Alyssa Bethke, and so many others, including Jenny. And this webinar is only for our friends that order the story of God before August 1st. So go to Theology.com and order the story of God today.